It's the Heart of Educational Psychology podcast with your host, Dr. Michelle Tishy. Hello, I'm Dr. Michelle Tishy, and this is the Heart of Educational Psychology podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Narelle Lemon, and I would like to welcome her, and she's going to share with us a whole bunch of wonderful wisdom. Hello, Narelle. Please share with my audience who you are and where you're located in the world. Hi, Michelle. It's so lovely to be here. So I'm uh, Narelle Lemon. I'm located in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm an associate professor in education at Swinburne University of Technology. And I'm also the creative director of Explore and Create Co. So I um, have a bit of a diverse background, I suppose I would say. I'm trained in arts and um, positive psychology and education as well. So I've kind of a little bit of a, a weird one in terms of multidisciplinary and, and based that way. But my real passion is uh, in well-being and particularly self-care and really transferring uh, research and theory into practice and making it practical because we all know self-care is one of those um, areas in our life that we know we need to do but we often find it hard to do um, and I'm um, yeah really I suppose at the moment I work with pre-service teachers at, at the university so I'm training training future teachers um, and working a lot there with um, those future teachers and how they can really look, take care of themselves and translate that for their themselves, but also working with students. And with Explore and Create Co, I do a lot of coaching as well. So I work with people in a whole heap of different um, disciplines, helping them to be the best person they can be. And of course, you and I work together um, with the American Educational Research Association and particularly the Holistic Education um, Special Interest Group. And that's how we met a few years ago and have been almost stuck together since then. So, which has been, which has been awesome. <laughs> Yay. So let's, let's help our audience understand and unpack self-care and some of the related topics that I think you and I are gonna spend most of our time talking about today. So let's start with kind of how we define self-care. What does that mean? It's a buzzword, everybody hears about it, but let's operationalize it. Let's make sure everybody understands what in the world we mean. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great aspect to talk about is what actually is self-care. Um, and so I talk about self-care is it's about a proactive action and it involves steps where you develop, protect, maintain and improve your health and well-being or wellness. And so there's a lot of um, different stages to it. So we've talked about protecting, developing, maintaining and improving. And it's proactive action. So small steps that we can make um, that really help our health, um, well-being and wellness. Um, and I've been doing some research into this area for the last couple of years and really thinking about how we can empower ourselves um, and what that might look like. And I often think that, um, you know, there's kind of five elements to that as well. There's the self-compassion, time, habits, agency and mindfulness. And when I talk about that, I think about it in terms of self-compassion, like 
um, how do we treat ourselves, but particularly how do we treat ourselves like a friend? So we're a little bit more kinder to ourselves, because uh, we all know self-care is something that um, we feel like we don't do enough of, or we don't do it well, or we're doing it differently to somebody else. So a lot of comparison can come into it. And also often that feeling of it's selfish. Mm -hmm. um, so self-compassion makes us that element when we think about self-care, self-compassion really makes us think about it in terms of how we're being kind to ourselves, mm -hmm. um, and not so judgmental to ourselves about it and that we do actually do actually need it and we do actually need to take care of ourselves. Um, and then time is thinking about it in regards to a variety and a combination of, of aspects at so different times of the day, different lengths, different periods, like it could be micro moments, 30 seconds is just as powerful as something that you might do for three hours um, or a holiday that you go on where it's a week of a break once a year. Um, and then I think about it in terms of uh, habits. So the small choices we can make. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about it with agency, I also think about it in terms of empowerment and the choices we can make. So that we can start to see how um, empowerment, um, choices, what energizes us um, can really connect well with the habits, those small choices we make and repeat over time. And of course that time element um, coming through. And then I also think about it with mindfulness as well. So being present, and aware non-judgmentally and I kind of ask those questions about what do I need right now and what is right for me right now and when we start to think it, about it like that and tune into it we're really thinking about ourselves and what's right and not thinking about what someone else does and comparing ourselves that oh they're doing that I should do it but I don't like doing that um, it goes against sort of you know the whole idea of being a bit self-compassionate and that self part where you are thinking about you in order to help others that that is very well summarized and i i would <laughs> no i i mean thank you that is very well put and i i would like to highlight for the audience a couple of things you said that i think would be worth talking a little bit more about because when we talk about self-care and when we talk about mindfulness specifically a lot of people get trapped into this there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it but in reality as you put so poignantly the self part of it the self-compassion part of it and the kindness to ourselves part of it is so foundational like if you are going to sit and meditate for an hour then i hope that you love that type of meditation because if you're doing it because you think that's the right thing to do and not because it's something that feeds your soul yeah. you're not actually doing self-care right we're, we're actually maybe torturing ourselves to some degree comparing ourselves to what we think is the right way or the perfect way to offer ourselves self-care so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's that comparison, isn't it? And it's like, just because somebody else said they have a meditation practice for an hour and it's, it's, um, it's guided and they've got a particular track that they listen to, or there's a particular person that they follow doesn't mean that track, that person, one hour sitting is a guided background. Like there's so many variables to it. 
So, um, yeah, and it's finding what's right for you right now. And you might get ideas from others, but it's not necessarily going to be exactly as someone else. In fact, it, it's highly unlikely that it's going to be exactly like everybody else. Absolutely. And I'm thinking like 2020 has thrown us a lot of curveballs. And so even someone who in January or December of last year had the time and the space and benefited from doing X, whether it's a meditation or a yoga practice or going to the gym, some of those options were taken away from people because of the circumstances. Some of them are no longer practical. And additionally, some of them no longer serve that person. And so also having compassion for ourselves in that right now, especially, we're needing to find new ways to be able to offer ourselves self-care. And I love your reference to micro moments, right? Because if in January you are able to do an hour of committed self-care because your world allowed you to, and then flash forward to June of this summer, you may be hard pressed to sneak in 90 seconds. And so also having compassion for that reality is part of self-care, right? We have to be okay with moving in the moment and being in the flow. Yeah, exactly. And that can be a tricky one. And I know for myself, um, I found that a little bit difficult. The first adjustment um, back in mid-March when we, we in, in Melbourne moved to um, our first series of, of being at home, working and, and living at home. And I'd for years had this great routine of I'd be up at 5, 5.30, do a little bit of exercise, I'd go to a cafe and I'd, do write, I'd be writing um, and with a green tea and it be, kind of became this ritual. And then I would go into the office um, and, and go for meetings. And that flexibility to be able to do that was a part of a beautiful routine that was setting myself up for the day, having the green tea and, um, and spending a little bit of time by myself. Um, sometimes I would do a little mini meditation in, 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 in that cafe about an intention for the day. And then all of a sudden I'm at home and I'm, um, you're living with, as many of us are with, um, you know, uh, caring for others to make sure we stay at home to support um you know reduced movement but at the same time it shifts our physical movement of what we're used to doing and our routines have had to change and um i don't know if you're like me but my sleep habits have totally changed as well so for me to get up at 5 a.m right now feels like you've woken me up at, in the middle of the night and i am so not ready for it it's like my body's wanted to sleep more Mm -hmm. um, I don't go to a cafe anymore to write. I'm now writing in home where there's other people around and I'm in a little, a little desk that's about an eighth the size of what I normally would and I'm stuck by the fireplace in the lounge room with the kitchen right behind me, right next to a walkway. So, so different. So after a little bit of tension with myself and that inner dialogue that perhaps wasn't so helpful, I really had to sit back and go, hang on, I'm not talking to myself in a nice way here. I'm not being kind to myself. I'm not being um, a friend to myself. I really need to think about things have changed. They're out of my control. How do I show myself a little bit more compassion? How do I talk to myself nicer? How do I... Um, reconfigure what I do for my self-care 
how do I embrace what my body is telling me to do? It clearly wanted to sleep some more. Um, my pat work patterns are different. Let's have fun and find out what I can do to rejig those things. I like that the fun idea you brought up at the end there, because I think we often forget as adults in general, the mm -hmm. power of play and ha approaching something like reimagining our self-care routines, our mindfulness um, routines, so that we can have fun with it with the circumstances that we're actually dealing with. Because so many of us have experienced micro traumas and other things because of the current circumstances. Mm -hmm. So people are often trying to process all of that. And if they're clinging to their old routines, they're not able to move forward with flow and ease. So if we can approach it from more of a fun and playful lens, we're often more able to find new and interesting ways to do this in the current circumstances. Um, and I know for one, uh, you know, back in March and early April, things were really a lot of stress for me and a lot of tension for me with these adjustments. Um, I was grieving the loss of things that could have been still. Um, and then flash forward to leaning into it and making it a little more fun. I have a six-year-old and one of the activities that he enjoys doing at school before they close them down was Cosmic Kids Yoga for Children. And I was able to find it online so that he and I could do that together. And self-care doesn't have to be alone, although it often is. Self-care mm. can be with a child or with a partner. It can be something that's just fun for you, something that serves your soul. Um, and doing that with my six-year-old had a huge transitional value for me, moving from what I wished the spring could have been to what it really was as we moved through April and into May. Yeah, and I really love that because what you highlight is that positive emotion of joy. And when we, uh, you know, play curiosity is one of my favorite strengths to think about as well. How can we be curious and find new ways and, and different ways? And I think our situation right now has really highlighted the need for that to come through. And when we combine it with something like play, um, and almost creativity as well, that strength of creativity and find, being imaginative and exploring open um, what can be different. It naturally ignites those positive emotions. We naturally smile, we laugh more, um, how we hold our body is different, how we engage with others is different. And, it, and it's a beautiful, you know, that's almost contagious as well, right? Because the energy within yourself um, feels different and also butterflies effects over to other people. Um, smiles and positive emotions are, are definitely contagious. Um, but I love that point also that you raised that self-care, just because there's the self aspect there. It doesn't have to mean that you're doing it by yourself. And, and we know that research talks about the power of relationships mm -hmm. and how so significant they are. And the kind of, I think we can think about it as the I, the we and the us. Yes, we need to look after ourselves in order to care for others. And there's that classic um, meme that pops around a lot. I think I see the beautiful visual um, on social media appears a lot as well of you can't pour for an empty cup. 
Mm. Um, and that's really, you know, aligning to that, looking after yourself first to then in order to be able to care for others in your life. And I think as, as parents, as coaches, um, as teachers, you know, where those are a lot to do with care and looking after others. And we often can be very intuitive uh, individuals and empathetic individuals and what can come with that. And I know I've had to work on this over the years is to make sure we don't wear others' um, experiences ourselves that then ends up draining us. Um, so there's that fine line between making sure you're investing in yourself in order to care for others, but also self-care can involve others as well if it energises you. So it's the right person, the right um, activity to energise you that can be a part of your toolbox self-care. Absolutely. And I'll speak from my own perspective as an extrovert. So I had a lot of my normal self-care involves meeting people at a cafe or spending time with someone in deep conversation, in, in you know, face-to-face -face interaction. And all of that got stripped away. So my self-care, initially I was doing what I could to take care of my inner world. But until I made the decision to playfully do yoga with my six-year-old and actually engage in play as a self-care act, I was missing a huge part of what actually feeds my soul, what actually fills my bucket or my teacup, um, because I actually need social interaction in order to feel more alive and capable. And I am an empath. And so, of course, I can get drained if I'm spending my time interacting with the wrong people. Um, and because of that, I think part of my self-care that's evolved over the last six months has really involved reaching out more to people maybe mm -hmm. who are on the other side of the planet and just making time to have real conversations. And so what if we're not actually in the same room, if we can create the energy of that, that still serves the purpose for my self-care. Um, and, you know, I know that I have a partner who's very much an introvert. So part of it for someone who's an introvert who's stuck in the house with three other people is finding ways to shut out the rest of the world as an act of self-care. So self-care also involves like deep personal knowledge. We have to know what we need in order to do what is appropriate for us. And that can change, right? I mean, certainly 2020 has showed us how much that sometimes has to adjust. Yeah, definitely. And it's, that's a big part of it is what's right for you right now. Um, and I think I, I think about that in terms of the agency and the choice that we, we can have. Um, and what's right for you right now is also taking into consideration that around us that we can't control like right now during COVID, um, you know, it, it's not in our control. There are certain aspects that we can um, do to support it, but decisions are being made by governments and by leaders that um, impact us and that we might not always agree with, but there's got to be a way that we find um, that we can be with those decisions in a, in a way that's um, not promoting the negative or the anger that can sit there rather than sitting with it and going, okay, 
what's the best way that I can approach this right now? What's the best way that I can care for myself, care for others um, right now without that, that tension sitting there? How can I feel empowered? What's something small I can do? And that's where those micro moments can come in. It can be a 10 second, a 30 second thing that you do that knows that works well for you. Um, just as it is, I'm deciding that um, a particular person might not be best for me to spend a lot of time in contact with, um, you know, through chats or, or connecting on, on the virtual screen versus other people that are better for you, um, that energise you, that bring out the best in you, that enable you to process. And, you know, those balances, like you said, the introvert versus the extrovert, um, and knowing how you how you work and those around you within your same home, how they work as well and sort of respecting that. And I think we can learn from each other as well and appreciate um, each other uh, in a different way. I know in our house, I'm probably, sometimes I think I'm half, half introvert, <laughs> extrovert. I, I definitely love um, being around people and I love ideas and bouncing off from people but I also love my solo me time mm -hmm. um and and my partner is is a definitely introvert um and we've been loving hanging out with each other I think we're seeing each other more because we don't have that commute time anymore so you could sort of finish work the laptop closes and we reconvene in the backyard or, or the lounge room depending on the weather but you know there's some afternoons after work that we are sitting with each other but we're not actually talking and we might just listen to music but we're sort of both honoring that energy from being in the same space with each other but we're also honoring we don't need to talk just now and we're just okay in our own space and then there's other evenings where we just you can't stop us talking like it's just nada 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 you know and it's just being okay with that and finding what works for you within your your home situations um and my neighbor next door has a five-year-old and a three-year-old and their kids are often out in the yard on the trampoline and making different sculptures with the you know plants and found objects they have and there's conversations through the, the fence and you know we often find a, a chance to just chat with each other um, at a social distancing space sometimes we bake cookies and we trade and we give each other a text and say hey there's a new batch on the front door or check out the the fence there's something there and you know there's just different ways that feed what's right for you right now within the constraints that we're, we're in Absolutely. And a couple of things I want to circle back around to that you brought up in what you were just talking about. One is part of self-care is really navigating good boundaries. And a lot of us have had to navigate new boundaries with the people we live with. Um, and even with our extended circles, because some people would be on video chat 24 seven and be very happy to do that. And that genuinely feeds their soul. And most of us, myself included, my voice is going to get tired. I, although I claim to be a big E extrovert, I also need my downtime. I mean, I need to take a physical break from the screen, the laptop, and both of my amazing children, as well as my partner, to take a shower. Like, I need that time. And I carve that out as a 
mindfulness um, moment for myself. It's usually five to 10 minutes at least where I can just be with myself. Um, and sometimes I'll actually listen to like a three minute meditation track just because that's the little sacred time that I can carve out mm. of my day. Um, but it is, I mean, this year especially has really pushed us all to re-navigate boundaries with ourselves, mm. with our children, with our bosses, with our partners, dot, dot, dot. Um, and boundaries are, especially for those of us who are, who are care workers, um, teachers, parents, um, social workers, anyone who falls into this caretaking category professionally, we have to have boundaries, good boundaries to function normally, but 2020's really pushed us to re-navigate some of those boundaries. Um, and for some folks, um, they've never been really good at setting boundaries. And um, this has really been an opportunity to learn that skill um, because otherwise it's very hard to do a good job taking care of yourself. Oh. oh yeah totally it's a big one boundaries is a big one isn't it and it's something that we I think everybody has their little love-hate relationship with I suppose is a is a way to, to talk about it and I think sometimes we think once you set a boundary that's it we never have to work on it again or we don't have to readdress it but boundaries are things that we have to tweak all the time and I think COVID's been a lovely way for us to be reminded of that um, and and thinking through you know what and who best serves us and again we come back to that question of what is right for us right now mm -hmm. um, and really tuning into that and just spending some time sitting with that and kind of moving out of this is where I think mindfulness is wonderful because it can help us to be present and in tuned where we move out of the head where we're having those conversations with ourselves. I should do this. I, someone told me to do this. There's expectations, ex expectations, assumptions, and re moving down to our gut or, you know, in, in the, into this, the tummy, you know, and it's a lot of that grounded feeling and just slowing down and our breath, tuning into our breath and slowing that down is a, you know, one of the first steps that we can, bring us back down to slowing down and being grounded um, and you know just noticing what pops up for us and labeling it and going oh hello mm -hmm. self-doubt oh hello negative little Nancy sitting in my shoulder who says I should do this and someone said I should do this but actually I don't really want to do it and you know whatever it is that pops up for you and, and labeling it and you know sometimes labeling it with a, a character um, you know, is helping to that next level of, of removing yourself from it to then tune into what might work for you right now um, with, with that habit, um, with the boundaries. And I think um, you do something that can, you know, pop up for us is thinking about what are those small choices that we can make that we repeat every day that over the time of repeating it becomes a sustained practice that can help us form a boundary mm -hmm. as well as something to consider. 
Absolutely. And that's kind of a great segue from boundaries into routine, ritual, and habits, which are also three really powerful tools when it comes to self-care and mindfulness, um, more specifically, um, as well as just creating calm. Because not all mm -hmm. self-care creates calm, but if we can routinize things and create even rituals around them um, and habituate them, they can serve as a way to calm our emotional selves as well as our intellectual selves. Um, and I think that's a really valuable thing to share with, with the people that are listening to us is the value of habituating or ritualizing some of these little things. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love that idea of making things a ritual as well. Um, and it could be a ritual that's connected to a calmness. It could be a ritual connected to a wild celebration moment where you're high-fiving yourself and you're like fist pumping the air and it's, you know, happy dance sort of thing. And, you know, whatever's, whatever's right for you. I do when um, I used to mountain bike ride a lot. And um, it, it, I, you know, spent the first 12 months pretty much falling off every time <laughs> I rode. And my self-talk um, accompanied me on the ride, which meant that I kind of forgot to be in present in the moment. And I think mountain bike riding was one of the first things I did that really helped solidate mindfulness for me in terms of when I was totally present in the moment, my mind was clear and I could just be on the bike in nature, riding the single track, jumping the rocks, dodging trees, all those sorts of things. And when I was in that state, I would be able to um, not fall off totally be in flow, you know, a ride that went for three hours kind of felt like it went for 10 minutes. It was mm -hmm. like that surprise of, oh my goodness, we've been out here for three hours. Um, but, you know, it, it became, you know, a, you know, those routines of when I would um, maneuver a difficult switchback or I would jump a little rock, I would be like, yeah, no, I'll go for it. Yeah, you did it. We could have this little, like, and I'd be talking to myself out in the bush. You know, sometimes riders would be with me. Often I would be by myself. Um, you know, someone's in, you know, a certain distance ahead of me or behind me. But every time I jumped a log, I'd be like, yeah, good on you, Narelle. Go for it. Like, it's this little, like, cheer squad to myself. And it became a routine that was a celebration, a part of you know, ultimately a, an activity that was a part of my, my self-care routine and, and that was associated to movement and being out in nature, knowing that green energy really is a, a powerful source for me. Um, so, and then there's other little routines that you can explore where it's, so at the moment during COVID, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm going for a walk before I start the day. And at the moment, I'm doing it by myself. And so my routine um, before I go to bed is to make sure I've got my workout clothes and my runners um, and socks sitting in a pile um, by the door of the bedroom. So I get up in the morning, I can creep out, I can grab them, I can go to the bathroom, wash my face, get dressed, say goodbye to my partner and off I go for an hour. And so there's a routine that sits up there that's a cue that it's going to happen. I've set the intention the evening before 
um, my calendar is cleared so I enable it to happen. I don't check my email or social media before I go. And I'm just totally with the morning and, you know, whatever is happening, whether it's the wind or the sun's rising and the birds are starting to chirp, noticing different things. And it's, that's a little routine and a ritual that's different but actually supports me to enact a, a self-care action. Absolutely. I mean, and that, those are both really beautiful examples because they both involve intention and movement and being in nature. And I think you brought it up, the, the power of nature and green energy um, as another form of self-care in and of itself, you know, just being in nature, being in the wilder parts of the natural world, not necessarily your groomed back or front yard, but actually getting out beyond that and being with the planet we live on in and of itself can serve as a mindfulness practice, as a self-care practice. Um, you know, people might make fun of people who hug trees, but there's a reason why that is a valuable thing to do. To connect yeah. with the earth's energy um, serves a great deal of people very powerfully, both spiritually and physically. Yeah, totally. And you know, those are two examples that I just shared that are quite, um, you know, time is associated to length but it could be a micro moment say taking off your shoes and socks and just rubbing your um, bare feet in grass and feeling the lawn underneath your feet whether it's in your own backyard or it's in a park nearby um, and just that moment of you know your feet are free and they're moving around but feeling that texture of the lawn underneath um, it's, you know, it's a beautiful little micro moment of connecting to that green energy and it's almost like a, it's like a foot version of a tree hugging, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a beautiful example as well. Um, another nature space that I know myself and my family enjoy a lot and we're close enough to it is the beach and being at the ocean. Um, and that's actually one of the, um, less frequent but most fulfilling self-care acts that I do is taking myself and my family to the beach and having the sand under my feet and the sound of the waves and even just playing in the ocean um, can fill me up for, for several weeks. Um, whether we're there for an hour or five hours, it's just that space serves so much power like it's so powerful it serves such a great self-care um purpose for me that you know when i don't get a chance to do it since we live so close to the atlantic ocean where i live um i feel like i've i've emptied my teacup and i have no way to fill it up um so creating those more intentional opportunities for those moments in, in the natural world, I think are very, very valuable for us, especially right now in the midst of, of COVID. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's just a, a lovely reminder that you, it's not something that you have to do every day either, that can be um, something that you do once a year, once a month, once a week, 
um, or whatever combination that it is that that does fill you up that you can savor it you know that positive emotion of savoring you can you know just thinking about the last time you walked on the beach um, you you know, smelt that um, sea sea breeze and heard the birds um, chirping and the people that were around that um, you could um, really think through um, what could be, you know, what that experience was like and then how it contributes now into the moment. And it's like that vision vision of, of what was occurring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to kind of think about sharing some more simple mindfulness practices and self-care practices with the people listening to us. Because I think you and I have really shared a lot of bigger uh, moments and I've shared a couple smaller ones, but I think you and I are both really well versed in some of these micro moments or more intimate moments that we can create self-care around. Um, so I would love for you to share um, a couple of other things that you think are particularly useful uh, mindfulness strategies or self-care strategies that you're able to build into your daily life beyond your walk, which is clearly a bigger investment of time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'll share two little micro moment ideas that um, that work really well for me and that I can use them anywhere, anytime. Um, and hopefully they'll inspire those who are listening as well. So one of them is... Um, hashtag the meditation five four three two one and in on that hashtag and it's on twitter and instagram and also facebook uh a photograph and then a small guided little um like pause moment poem i think that's you know underpinned by mindfulness and it's just counting down and it might be take five deep breaths notice four colors around you appreciate three sounds look out for two people that might make you smile set one intention for yourself today and you can um and there's a whole heap of different ones and and they um ignite different different ideas and different um concepts but just that counting down of five four three two one and different things that you're being asked to connect with. You can just read it or you can do it. And I think you naturally just go, oh, notice four colours. Oh, you, and you have a look around and you see. And, and it's just a beautiful way to slow down and can be used across any age, any background, um, and, and having a look at that. So that can be a nice inspiration. And the other strategy I would share is a little breathing technique. And um, this one blew my mind when I learned about it. And you know, we talk about um, mindfulness and, and really being connected to breath. And once we slow our breath down and we're, we're you know, in tune, you know, in that gut, like we talked about earlier, we're out of our head. We're just focusing on our breath. Our heartbeat has slowed down. And when we inhale slowly, we just inhale for ourselves, And we just think, take a deep breath and you give yourself an intention. I'm caring for me. I can do it. And then you exhale and you exhale for somebody else. I'm sharing love to Michelle. Mm -hmm. Now inhale for me. 
I am worthy of looking after myself. And I exhale. I'm sending love to Michelle. And you just, and you can do that when you're talking to somebody. Um, you can do it when you're thinking of someone else who's on your mind, who perhaps is having a bit of a struggle or hard time at the moment. You can even do it when you're listening to somebody who's having a rant at you or is a bit aggressive. Um, it could be with a stranger. It could be with somebody that you know and love and deeply care for. But, and they don't need to know that you're doing it. This is a conversation that's going on in your head as you're doing it. But it's almost setting that it's like a little mini intention mantra, one for yourself, one for others. It's bringing that care, treating yourself as a friend, treating someone else as a friend. Um, and it just changes the energy for yourself. And you often find it actually changes the energy of that interaction with the other person. Um, and it's just a nice reminder. I use it for being grounded. Um, and it's and it's really, you know, such a lovely little gentle um, mindfulness strategy. And that is and that's a very simple loving kindness meditation in essence. Um, and I was gonna share one of my simple micro um, self-care slash mindfulness strategies is uh, loving kindness with my children. So I ritualistically um, say goodnight to my daughter who's now 16 in a loving kindness way where we just shower each other with kisses and hugs and love and she still allows me to do this. We've done this since she was a little girl. Um, and that's, you know, we don't miss this. If she's staying at someone else's house, we send each other this through text. Um, and with my little boy, we do morning kisses as an act of setting intention and positive energy for our day. And as a parent, you know, I often didn't think a lot about the intentionality and the self-care involved in doing those type of loving exchanges with my children until I had a conversation with Ashley Norell. And um, that conversation made me really rethink about some of those micro moments that I build into my life with my children. Um, and that's extended to also some of the intention I put into my classes when I'm teaching college students, mm -hmm. um, is setting those mindful intentions about the class and setting the energetic level so I'm grounded and centered before we start our conversation with each other. And that's also a self-care thing, because if you go into a teaching environment or a parenting environment with your hair on fire and no way to ground, you're not going to be able to do your best and you're not going to get the most out of it. So, I mean, I guess this would be a good time to talk a little more specifically to our audience, who is people who care about and care for children in different roles. Yeah, and you've raised a really put, um, a really key uh, aspect there is when we're in a position where we're working with anybody else, um, whether it's a, another adult or, or young people individually or collectively, setting that energy up is really important. And I think when you're the facilitator, um, or someone's you know coming to you as as the coach or as the teacher as as the leader. You know, your energy and what you um, give off, portray, 
where your um, mind is at that moment, how present you are in that moment can really uh, influence the interaction that's occurring. And sometimes we make a presumption, oh, we've, we've developed a relationship with that person. We've known them for X amount of times. It's okay that I'm not being present right now. Even I'm thinking about other things. I'm you know, in that room, but I'm not mentally, emotionally, cognitively present. Um, it, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't really work for us and it probably doesn't work for the other person. Um, and you know, being grounded and setting up that energy. So before I go into teaching a class, before I coach, um, with any, with any clients that I work with, I always do a little mini meditation, um, that brings me back to being the present and I set an intention um, for that person, that session, that teaching moment, um, that coaching session, um, to make sure that um, I'm fully present. And, you know, and that's you know, great examples of things that are prepared and we know that are coming up, but we have those spontaneous moments, the surprise phone call, the um, person who arrives at your front door, um, when we wear, you know, um, depending on where what's happening for you at the moment, but um, you know, I'm not accessing my office at the moment, but when I was, it wasn't, I often had my door open, which was saying, come and chat to me at any stage if you want to run things past me. But so that meant you were getting, there were interruptions that were unplanned. Um, so it's, you know, having ways that then you can um, still engage with that person, but acknowledge that you're changing your headspace very quickly and figuring out what that might be. It might be, oh, give me two seconds and you quickly just write a little note of where you're up to. So you're setting that intention of, I know how to come back to that. And then you physically turn and you face that person and you go, okay, how can I help you? Or hi, what's going, you know, and there's a greeting there that means you're just engaging fully with that person and enable that to, to occur. And to take what you just said related to clients and teaching, I'll, I'll also share from a perspective of a mother who has a relatively young child and I'm virtually schooling as well as doing all my work virtually. Um, sometimes it takes just taking three or four deep breaths before you respond to a child who needs you right here, right now, this very second. They have no patience, which is developmentally appropriate for young children, but can make you feel you know, very off balance, especially if they're interrupting a serious thought that you're in the middle of or a piece of writing you're trying to produce. Um, and I think a 30 seconds deep breath that involves one to five actual breaths um, and just setting the intention to respond and not react is another act of self-care and care for the other person, in this case, a young child. Um, and so all of this stuff we're talking about is really valuable, whether you're a, a coach, a parent, um, or a teacher, because all of us are trying to help other human beings. And we do that best when our teacups are full. Um, so before we wrap up, I want to give you kind of an open-ended, what else do you want to share? What other anecdotes would be of value for you to share with the audience here? <laughs> well, we've got a small amount of time, so I'm going to give one, one tip. 
and I think, um, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times that beautiful question of what's right for you right now. Uh, and I think when we think about that question, one of the things that we need to tune into is that um, don't be too hard on yourself and know that you're doing the best right now. Um, and I think that is a, you know, a beautiful mantra that all of us probably should have as a part of our, our toolkit and would is a part of, of self-care. Um, we're doing the best we are right now and I'm doing the best that I am right now and that we really are. And you can only um, keep growing and developing, which is a part of that um, development part of self-care. You can only um, just, you know, try something new and test it out. You can really be open to exploring what's possible. You can watch other people, observe other people, ask other people questions. So you can continually learn and grow. Um, and it's that classic thing that we don't know what we don't know. Um, so, and that's a part of you are doing the best that you're doing, you can right now and, and really embracing that intention. And I thank you, Norelle, so much for your time. I also just want to kind of put a summary on some of what we said quickly before I actually say goodbye to you. So a couple of things that people may not have realized are part of self-care that I want to put a pin on. Um, joy, intention, knowing what you actually want and will enjoy. So the self-compassion and kindness piece and the opportunity to play and have fun with it. Um, and these are things that when people hear self-care, they don't often go to those places. And so I really wanna highlight for our audience um, that self-care and mindfulness don't have to be serious things that are done for hours at a time. They can be things that can be fun and done in 30 to 60 seconds. They can also be things that are done over the course of a week depending on what you need. So with that as kind of a summary of our conversation, I want to once again, thank you so much. I'm going to share in our podcast notes ways to get in touch with you and um, connect with your work and your coaching business. And I again want to thank you for your time and your amazing wisdom. Oh, an absolute pleasure, Michelle. Thank you for having me for this first episode of your podcast. And uh, it's been great to talk about self-care, one of my favorite topics. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with Michelle, please visit www.drmishtish.com.